Thank you, team. Our church has a policy for long standing now to offer a very warm welcome for office holders who visit the Church of the Apostles. And today we are honored to have one of those office holders, except he's also a pastor. So he's my fellow pastor. Congressman Doug Collins is with us. Good to see you. I bring you greetings from Ed Atzinger. He uh, took me to the air 31 years ago. Father, as Doug McRae prayed this morning, we are totally and utterly dependent on you. And so, Holy Spirit, control, guide every word be spoken from this pulpit, be only for the glory of Jesus. In His name I pray, amen. I guess I don't need to remind you of the enormous challenges that we're facing globally. I don't need to remind you of the things around us that frustrate us, that challenges us, that disappoint us, and indeed aggravate us. You get this every night in the news, so I'm not going to do that. But what I want to do today and in the coming weeks is to share with you the biblical antidote to all of these trials that we're going through. And I'm talking about the trials of life, because I'm commencing this morning a series of messages that I'm calling Experiencing Triumph Through Praise. The problem with the word praise, as soon as you mention it, people always think of a praise band, or they think of church music, or they think of a praise concert. But the life of praise is far, far, far greater than just singing a song. Singing can be part of it, but the praise-filled life, which I'll be talking about in the coming weeks, goes much deeper. The praise-filled life is a daily, even moment-by-moment exercise that is designed by God to lift us up above our circumstances, to raise us up above to life's challenges that throws at us every day, to empower us to live in a higher terrain, to give us true joy in the middle of sorrow, to breathe life in us in the middle of death, and to bring healing in the middle of pain. Many of you are familiar with my testimony, but I will testify until the Lord takes me home, whenever that might be. In the early days of the birthing of this church, 33 years and a half ago, I was running haggard. I was having early appointments to late appointments, and my time with the Lord got less and less and less until God 
put me on my back for two solid weeks. And during that time, the Lord so graciously got my attention and began to minister to me. The Lord began to teach me that I'm missing out on the life of victory and triumph. Oh, I was preaching. I was studying the Scripture, and I was faithful to exposition of the, of the Word of God. I, I was ministering. I was counseling. I was serving. I, I was not doing anything the world will call bad. But the Lord showed me, showed me very, very clearly and continues to. I thank God for that, that I cannot minister effectively for Him until I've spent adequate time with Him. From that day on until t- today, and as many of you know, I just begun my 73rd year this week. And from that day on <laughs> until this moment, every morning, the moment my feet hit the floor, I begin my time of praise and worship and adoration of my Lord and Savior. And that's what ministering to the Lord is all about. I remember the first time with this double pneumonia on my back and saying, Lord, when the Holy Spirit began to say, you can't minister to people until you minister to me. And I said, Lord, how do I minister to you? And I spent 11 years in seminary. And I was asking the Lord what it means to minister to you. And then graciously, He began to teach me how to minister to the Lord before I can minister to others. Now, if you think worship only takes place in the church, if you think worship is only through music, if you think worship is only a public activities, you are missing out on the real daily power for living. And I pray, God, that He will open our spiritual ears today. I am praying, in fact, that this series of messages will ignite the power of God in many a life, in, in many a home, and in, in many a communities around ministries in this place. Why do I say this? Because when you become a praised-filled person, you will experience transformation in life. When you experience uh, the strength uh, of the will, only then will you experience a higher level of faith. Only then will you begin to experience a deeper level of victory like you have never experienced before. Someone may say, why can this only happen when I become a praise-filled believer? Why can this not happen just naturally? I'm glad you asked, because a praise-filled life places you in a position and places me in a position of daily receiving blessings from the hand of God, because a praise-filled life uh, will daily develop deeper love for Jesus, because a praise-filled life will daily bring me much closer to the throne room of God, because a praise-filled life will daily remind me of who we are and whose we are. 
because a praise-filled life will remind you who God is, not who God you want Him to be, but who really is. In fact, C.S. Lewis, in his book, Reflection on the Psalms, reveals to us something that really been a great blessing ever since I learned it. When his early walk with the Lord, he really had a problem understanding the Scripture exhortation for us to praise God and bless the name of God. In his early walk, he, he, he said, he, now let me tell you what he said so I don't mess it up. <laughs> he, uh, he said, I used to bristle every time it says you need to praise God. And here's what he said. He said, we all despise the man who demands continuous assurance of his own virtue, intelligence, and delightfulness. But as C.S. Lewis grew in the faith, see, most people think he was a theologian. He wasn't. He was an English teacher (laughs) at Oxford. Um, So he had to grow in the knowledge of the Word of God like everybody else. And so as he grew in the knowledge of the Word of God, and he began to understand the Scripture much better, Listen to what he said afterward. He said, only, notice the word only. Can you say only? This is a really great, I mean, that's, that's where he starts the sentence. He said, only in the act of worship and praise can a person learn to believe in the goodness and the greatness of God. But then he continues, God wants us to praise Him not because He needs or craves in any sense our flattery, but because He knows that praise creates joy and thankfulness in us. I said, amen, belongs here. My beloved friend, listen, listen, listen. Continuous praise of the character of God and the attributes of God and the, and the graciousness of God it's not something that we do for God. You see, God, I'm giving you praise. Now do for me what I did for you. That's, you know, payback time. No, no, no. You see, it is not bribing God so He can do for us what we want Him to do for us. It is not just something we do so we can get on God's good side. That's the wrong understanding of the life-filled praise. But rather, praise places us in the very presence of God. And you say, well, Michael, but isn't God everywhere? Doesn't the Bible say that God is omnipresent? Yes, He is. But beginning every day of your life, and I pray that be the fir- this is the first day of your life that you're going to begin to do that, beginning every day with praise and adoration of the goodness and the graciousness of God and the character of God and the attributes of God, you will experience His presence in a much, much deeper than just say, well, God is everywhere. And that is why Psalm 22, verse 3. Psalm 22 is a messianic psalm. It's an amazing psalm. uh, uh, And and I know most of you are familiar with it. In fact, uh, it it is the psalm that I have never read down in Caiaphas' basement when I've been there many times. And and, and Psalm 22 is there in many languages. I've seen Japanese. I've seen people from all over the world because they have them in 28 languages. And they get down there because reputedly our Lord Jesus Christ recited that psalm the very last night before the crucifixion. And I've seen 
People from all over the world, and literally tears in their eyes, reading Psalm 22, this great messianic psalm. Here's what he says in verse 3. You, talking to God, you inhabits. Another translation said indwells. Another translation said you tabernacle. Another translation said you enthroned in the praises of your people. Hear me right, please. How do you begin your prayer time? Do you come to God with your grocery list? Five of this, six of that, and seven of the other. Is this how you start your day? Or do you start with praise and adoration and worship, just in gratitude for salvation? Or do you jump into that list? Nothing, nothing wrong with petition. I'm, you, you know me. You've been around long enough to know. Nothing wrong with petitioning heaven. We need to petition heaven more and more. But you've got to begin not with a petition, but with praise, worship, and adoration. And if you do not do that, you're missing out on the great power that can come to you from that special presence of God during the time of praise. It will be like you coming to visit me, and I open the door, and kind of you push the door open as before even you say hello. He goes straight to the fridge. You said, I'm famished. <laughs> what do you have for me to eat? Just think about that. Have that imagery in your mind when you start praying. <laughs> so today I want to show you four things the Lord has taught me about the praise-filled life those many years ago. First of all, praise reveals my true spiritual condition. Not what I want to think, but my true spiritual condition. Secondly, praise refocuses my personal destiny. And thirdly, praise reestablishes the rule of God in my life. And fourthly, finally, Praise reinforces my true relationship with the Lord. Let's look at these very quickly, very quickly. I'm not going to dwell too, too long on them. First of all, praise reveals to me my true spiritual condition. In Matthew 12, 34, the Lord Jesus Christ said, Out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. We say it in the a colloquial, what's in the well comes out in the bucket, right? It's the same. That's where we got it from. We got it from the Lord. Uh, the Lord is telling us that we cannot separate what we think from what we say. Uh, we can claim all we want. Oh, I did not really mean that. Yes, you did. Just say, I meant it, and I'm sorry about it. <laughs> that's better. <laughs> so, if your heart is filled with praise and thanksgiving, worship, and adoration, then that's exactly what emanates out of your mouth. Imagine that there is a fan belt between your thoughts and your mouth. Imagine that. Can, can, can I ask all those mechanically-minded people? Now, I, I wouldn't know a fan belt from, but that's okay. I, I know what a fan belt is. Just imagine one that's going between your thoughts and your mouth and your words and your tongue. Huh. I know occasionally, in my case, that fan belt gets a little looser every now and again. 
and needs tightening. Don't get uppity. I know you do too. <laughs> but that does not, does, not, does not negate the intrinsic connection between what's inside of us and what comes out in words. I heard an interesting description about the mouth not long ago. Somebody said the mouth is the grocer's friend, the dentist's fortune, the auditor's pride, and the fool's trap. <laughs> I know we say that the eyes are the window of the soul, but the mouth is not always the door to the brain. Now, let me give you a piece of advice. I want to advise myself all the time. Because like everyone, I sometimes have a foot-in-the-mouth disease, and I, 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 I'm aware of it, but, but I hope you are too. But, uh, and if you're not, I'm going to remind you. <laughs> but let me give you a piece of advice. I give myself all the time. When your mind goes blank, remember to turn off the sound. <laughs> Did you get that? When the mind goes blank, turn off the sound. And Jesus is saying that our words expresses what we believe deep down. Listen to me. If you are griping and complaining all the time, it is an expression of ungrateful heart. Uh, if you are in a fighting mood all the time, everywhere you go, <laughs> it's a sign of pride and arrogance. If you have a disconnected and dissatisfied attitude all the time, if you speak critically of everyone every time, it is because you are indwelt of a critical spirit and you have grieved the Holy Spirit who dwells in you. Your praising lips are a direct, in direct proportion to your believing and your trusting heart. Can I get an Amen. Some people say, oh, I praise God on the inside. I don't have to mouth the word. I don't come out of my mouth. Right. Your words are the expression of your heart. And so praise revealed to us our true spiritual condition. Our praise reveals what? My true, can you say it with me? Come on now. I know you got masks, some of you anyway, just... Muffle it out the best you can. Praise. Amen. Secondly, praise reinforces my personal destiny. Now, I began by saying how much this world hassles us, um, how much the world's problem overwhelms us, how, how much the world's difficulty continuously harassing us. And I'm just talking about everyday struggles. I'm not talking about even this day today with all the pandemics and the diseases and the violence in the streets and the economic conditions and all the stuff that we're going through right now. I'm just talking about general. But if you focus on this problem 24-7, you will soon forget your destiny in Christ. Your destiny will become foggy and misty, and unreal. Uh, very soon you're going to lose sight of that destiny that you destined for the throne. You very soon will slide into fear and pessimism and depression. Very soon your life will lose luster and joy and excitement. 
You don't think I know what I'm talking about? <laughs> this is not theory for me. I know it. I know it experientially. And if those tens of thousands of people who are tuned in on, online are watching, and you're here in this beautiful sanctuary, but, and, and if, if, if you do not do something permanent today, I promise you, 75 minutes from now, when you turn off that computer, you stop watching line or on the iPhone, the iPad, whatever you're watching, it will be history, and you won't even remember it. Because you feel guilty at the time, said, yeah, yeah, I need to really focus, I need to praise God, then you're going to forget about it. I used to have a colleague many years ago, every time he hears me talking about spending time with God, and he said, yeah, yeah, I need to do that, I need to spend a word, time with the Word of God, and a week later, he does it every day for a week, and then he's back to normal. Listen to me. I am testifying to you. I am pleading with you. I am imploring you to do this today. Make a permanent change. Don't get temporarily affected. Make it a daily habit for one week, and then make it another week, and then make it another week. You will be pleased of how blessed you are as you keep doing this. You would form a daily habit to bless the Lord first thing in the morning. Don't wait till late at night when you're tired. Start the morning blessing the Lord, blessing the Lord, lifting up the name of the Lord. That is going to help you overcome the fog. That daily exercise of praising the names of Jesus, the attributes of God, the character of God, the redemption of our Lord Jesus Christ, the forgiveness of sins, the grace and the mercy of God. If you do that every morning, it's going to carry you on the wings of praise all day long, all day long. When I miss a day, I know for whatever reason, it's seldom I do, but when I miss, I know my life is a mess all day. All day I'm messed up until I repent. <laughs> Please try it every day this week. Just try it every day. You'll never regret it. When my feet hit the floor, I begin as soon as I wake up by praising the name of Jesus. No matter what difficulty I face that day, that comes my way, no matter what challenges that I experience, no matter what, how painful the news I may receive, I find that my eyes begin to lift away from uh, my current situation, my current condition, into my heavenly position. My eyes immediately recognizes the smallness of my problem in relationship to the bigness of my God. My eyes immediately refocuses from the temporary to the permanent. My eyes immediately begin to see with clarity my eternal destiny. My eyes open to the heavenly realm. Then and only then, the presence of God fills me to overflowing. When the praises of God dominate my thoughts, when God's perspective on my situation becomes my perspective, I'm lifted up. I'm lifted up.
Am I testifying? Have I testified? But it has to begin every single day. There are times that stays for the whole day, and that's wonderful. Keep it going. Keep it going. Even when you don't feel like it, even when you don't feel like it, your feeling has nothing to do with it. (laughs) It's a discipline. Praise reveals my true spiritual condition. Praise refocuses my personal destiny. Thirdly, praise reestablishes God's reign on my heart. I said in the beginning that God is everywhere, yes, but then we established from Psalm 22, verse 3, that God is present in a very special way, in a unique way, in a way is indescribable, a supernatural way, in the presence, in the praises of His people. Here's a fact. I pray to God that you'll never forget. When God indwells or inhabits, He rules. See, that's why we say God is everywhere. Yes, but God doesn't rule everywhere. He does not rule in the hearts of those who have rejected Him. That's why the Bible in Romans 1 says He gave them up. He doesn't rule in the hearts, but He rules in the heart of those who invite Him to come and to rule. And so, when the Bible says God indwells, or literally pitches His tent in the praises of His people, it means that God is ready to take over. (laughs) God doesn't take sides. If you ever get in a fight, God doesn't take sides. He takes over. And that's why the Bible said the Holy Spirit of God can be grieved and He can be quenched until you ungrieve Him through repentance. And that is why the praising of His name, the praising of His character, the praising of His attributes, first thing in the morning, is your invitation to Him to come and rule in your life. Listen to me. You're spending time in praising Him. You are saying to Him, You are my authority. You are my sovereign. You are my king. You are my ruler. Hear me right on this one. Hear me right. God cannot be everywhere where He is invited without taking over. He has to take over. God does not take sides. I said He takes over. And when you invite Him into your marriage, He's going to take over your marriage. When you invite Him to come to your home, He will take over your home. When you invite Him to come to your family, He takes over your family. When you invite Him in your business, He will take over your business. When you invite Him to come to your church, He will come and take over your church. And that is why praise is our explicit invitation for Him to come and reign and rule in our lives. And when He takes up residence, indwells, inhabits, He rules. And that is why praise is our clear invitation for God to come and rule over our situations.
And that is why praise is the foremost means by which you invite God to establish His authority over you. And beloved, forgive me being blunt, as if it's something new, but (laughs) that's why there's some believers don't spend time praising God. God does not share His authority, His rule, His power, or His glory with anyone. Either He takes over, or He is grieved and quenched in a corner in your life. Praise reveals… Let's, let's go through them. Let's, let's review, okay? Those in line, I hope your cameras are turning onto the, the, the screen. Praise reveals what? Praise refocuses. Praise reestablishes. And finally, praise reinforces. Reinforces my relationship with Him. My relationship with Him. A few weeks ago, I was preaching on narcissism. You remember that? If you went here, download it. <laughs> and I said then, that to various degrees, varying degrees, we're all narcissistic. Some more than others. <laughs> no elbows, please. Because think how easily it is and how quickly we fall in love with ourselves. <laughs> how quickly and how easy we'll fall in love with our ideas. How quickly and how easy we fall in love with our talents and our abilities. Uh, How easy it is to fall in love with our knowledge and what we know and what we think. How easy it is to to think so highly of ourselves, who we are, who we know, and, and whom we know, and what we've accomplished. We listen to the praise of people, and we believe it. Don't you believe it? Don't you believe it? Let me tell you something. That's a principle I learned a long time ago. (laughs) I used to tell my colleagues in the past, I said, you know, when somebody starts blowing wind up your shirt tail, just, just wait for the other shoe to drop. My graduate school, I had a wonderful professor. Dr. McGavran was one of, the, one of the finest men I've, I've ever known. He was 92 when he was teaching. And, and he used to say to us, because we're all mid-career, and, and he would say, publicity is okay as, as long as you don't inhale it. <laughs> now, beloved, there are a lot of inhalers these days. <laughs> and that is why daily... We must begin our day by continuously, unhurriedly. Did you get that? Unhurried. You have to get up early, get up early. <laughs> begin with praising the name of God. Why? Because praise reminds me of my sinfulness and my failures, but then immediately reminds me of the awesomeness of the grace of God. Praise reminds me of my limitation, but then immediately it humbles me to think of how unmerited, unworthy I am of receiving the grace of God. Praise reminds me of what a tiny fraction of God's love 
and God's wisdom and God's power, I really comprehend. Praise makes me say with Job, I know that you can do all things. No plan of yours can be thwarted. My ears have heard of you, but now my eyes have seen you. Therefore, I despise myself and repent in dust and ashes. I'm getting close to the end, so I don't want you to misunderstand the remaining part that I want to tell you. It's very important. The reason we recognize that we are not, we are not, we are not worthy is not because that we go around life moping and sulking. Oh, poor me. No, 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 no. It's not going around with long face, head down, Oh, I'm sinful, I'm sinful, I'm sinful, I'm unworthy, I'm a terrible person, I can't do anything. No! Read my lips. No! Say no with me. (laughs) If you do that, you have not really learned the triumph that comes through praise. You have not learned to minister and to serve in God's power and strength and not yours. What praise does is continuously, while we are realistic about our sinfulness, yes, we are realistic about our shortcomings, yes, but it's continuously leading us to repentance and restitution and therefore victory and able to minister with power and strength, not ours, but His. Listen to me. Praise gives us deep, deep, deep appreciation for the grace of God. And that motivates you for life. And the more you are realistic about our failures and inadequacies, the more you can comprehend the depth of God's graciousness toward you. And the more you comprehend God's graciousness toward you, the more delighting yourself you are in the strength of God. And the more you delight yourself in Christ's strength, the more effective you are for Christ. And that is why the Word of God exhorts us to focus on praising the character of God, the attributes of God. And I'll be unpacking that in the next many weeks. Praising the names of God. That's something our children are doing at the 9 o'clock hour. Because, as C.S. Lewis said, I quoted earlier, that's where we have our true joy. That's where we have our true strength. That's where true fulfillment is found. Look at the samples of the men of God in the Scripture. If you ask Isaiah, what is your life's purpose? In 43.20, he would say that I might proclaim His praises. If you ask Peter, after being restored and repentant of his denial of his Savior, and you ask him, what is the life's purpose, Peter? After restoration, he would say in 1 Peter chapter 1, verses 6 and 7, that I may bring praise, glory, and honor to Christ Jesus, my Lord. If you ask the Apostle Paul, what is your life's purpose? In Ephesians 1, he would say, to the praise of His glory. Praising His character. 
See, that's what glory means. Glory doesn't mean fireworks and all kinds of stuff. No, glory is, is, is the character of God. And when you praise of His glory, is you praising His character. If you ask our Lord Jesus Christ, what would happen if your people do not praise you? He would have said to us in Luke 19, 38 to 40, if you don't praise me, the stones will. The stones will. And that the old song we used to sing here many years ago, there ain't no rock that is going to praise God in my place. There ain't no tree that's going to wave its arms, its branches, in my place, in praise of God. Will you bow your heads in prayer with me? I want everybody in this room and everybody who's watching around the world on Kingdom Sat and 200 million homes and, 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 and on Facebook, on all over that place, uh, you can respond to that invitation too. So it's not just for the people in this sanctuary. If you want to say, and don't do it unless you mean it, Lord Jesus, I want to be a praise-filled person. I want to be a praise-filled son or daughter. I want to be a praise-filled child of yours. Then I want you to stand so heaven can watch and witness your decision. It's your decision. If you're home with families, it doesn't matter. Stand up. And if you're alone, stand up. This is between you and heaven. It's nothing I can do with anybody else. And so say, Lord Jesus, I want to be. Help me, Holy Spirit, to be a praise-filled child of yours, that my life be transformed. Father, I bless you as I lift up these precious brothers and sisters in Christ and those who are watching around the world live now in every corner of the globe. I pray in the name of Jesus that you will pour your blessing upon them, that you will pour the power and empowering power of the Holy Spirit. Father, for those who have grieved and quenched the Holy Spirit, renew them by the power of the Holy Spirit. Lead them to repentance and forgiveness, for I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen, and amen, and amen. Give God praise. Stand up and sing with us. Thank you, brother. Thank you.